0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the thirty-eighth edition of Cinema Effect. I'm Zach, and I'm joined by Disney's number one hater, Jaden. Hello. And JC, aka Fifty, aka Liam. Hey. Do I always do it in that order? I think so. Because I—that is unintentional. I thought about it last night. Because I, I think I do, but I don't. That's not deliberate. But maybe I'm choosing favourites subconsciously. Oh, yeah, save the best of last kind of thing. Oh, I was actually just more thinking it'd be like a, you know, like a ranking first. Right. Okay. But, I mean, you can interpret it that way if you like. It makes you feel better. makes you fall asleep at night. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) you can do that. But for those who don't know, this is Cinema Effect, everyone, the podcast where we review and talk about a different movie every single Monday. You can find the show on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music. So please subscribe and all those things. You can visit ratethispodcast.com slash cinema cinema effect (laughs) to leave a rating and help the show grow. Um, If you're new here, you probably haven't made up your mind yet, but, you know, keep listening, and then you can visit that website URL and do that, just like Charlie did. Charlie visited the site. He left us a review, five stars. He says, best podcast of all time with all capitals and, and many exclamation marks. So that means he, he really means it, guys. He's really passionate about it. So thank you very much, Charlie. We appreciate you doing that. Feel free to follow the Instagram page. Remember to submit your question, sorts, reviews for next week's film in the YouTube comments section. This week, our specific question of the show, will read your answers at the end of next week's show. But we're asking you, what is the best Lego set based on a movie? Let us know. There's... Phew, Millions to choose from, I'm sure we all have one, at least one, you know, floating around maybe in your memory if you are, you know, not a dork and don't have them now, so let us know what your answer is to that. This week we're reviewing and concluding our Godfather franchise viewing with the Godfather Part 3, which opened in the US on the 25th of December 1990, a full, what is that? That's 16 years after Part 2, right? Directed by Francis Ford Coppola, the genre of crime drama, all pretty standard for us at this point. But the synopsis reads, The Godfather Part 3 follows Michael Collione, now in his 60s, as he seeks to free his family from crime and find a suitable successor to his empire. But team, team, lads, what did we think of The Godfather Part (laughs) 3? Is it so abnormal to hear me say that? Yeah. Like, what, I want to start using it more now, actually. But sorry if it's you. Oh, what like
1: did it. you think? I thought it was it's... I thought it was, like, it's... As in, like, you didn't like it. But, um... um I'm kind of mixed on, it. I guess. Um, there's a lot of bad stuff and a lot of good stuff, I guess. Uh,
0: okay, okay.
1: The acting, obviously, from Sofia, bad. Uh, some of the Michael stuff, good. It's a mixed
0: bag. It is a mixed bag. I must say I didn't fully understand that this movie is actually quite polarising. And having seen it, I understand why it's polarising. There is a lot to like. There's a lot to not like. So I can see why different people sort of take different things away from it. I had thought that the consensus was that it's disliked more than this. Because when I looked on the letterbox, it actually there was a fair few people thinking it's Grace and then – um you know, plenty of people on the other side too. So it is more of a divisive film where I sort of thought it was just negative, which is wrong. But, Jane, how did you feel about it finishing it 20 minutes ago, half an hour ago?
2: Um, yeah, no, I quite liked it, actually. I was, um, I'm was, i on the positive side of this. Um, I, 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 yeah. I, I do agree. I mean, like, it's undeniable that there's a lot of shit. But, um, I, I, you know, like, I think it's better than part two, at least. Um, but, um, yeah, no, I actually, I actually quite enjoyed it. I thought it was... You
1: know, decent time
0: i feel like we're all going to be on a relatively similar page with this i thought the movie was pretty decent to be honest I, mm. I quite liked it i feel like yeah it definitely went by much faster for me than part one. Oh, excuse me than part two but yeah no there's yeah there's a lot of shit absolutely fizzy's right about that sophia coppola's acting is awful it's one of the worst performances i've ever seen um
2: uh, I, the fact that it's paired with like this really awkward and shitty relationship as well, it, it does not help. It oh, either.
0: I know. <laughs> that shit was really, really bad. Everything, yeah, with uh, Vincent, Andy Garcia in there. Yeah, awful, just awful. Those two have no chemistry as actors.
2: They're fucking cousins. They're not meant to have chemistry either. That's the thing. I mean, they're fucking
0: cousins. 100%. Is this... Genuine question, is this, like, a common thing in Italian culture, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, in Cousins' Hook Up? Uh, I don't
1: think so. No. I don't know.
0: Because, like, no one in the movie seemed to find it that weird.
2: To be fair, it was 1979, like, when it's set. <sighs> so maybe it was a is, bit is it, different. So,
0: maybe, maybe. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. That was obviously one of the main things that stood out to, stood out to me. But outside of the fact that this is uh incestuous on i guess on a subjective level depending on how much you're bothered by it but um yeah they just have no chemistry the relationship's just boring i don't care about anything that's going on with them you know oh it's true love and they they want to be together but they can't oh, oh boohoo you know and then I feel like Anthony, the uh, the the son also of Al Pacino, is also pretty bad. He's not as bad.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I actually quite liked him.
0: You quite liked him. I liked his character. I liked his character.
2: I think um, I think at the start, like when he's telling his when he's telling Al Pacino, you know, I don't want to be a lawyer and shit. I think there was probably a bit of problems there. I just, it just mm. didn't feel a hundred percent. But like as 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 he went on and as he became, you know, he had the opera singer and stuff. I thought I was actually I, I enjoyed his performance.
0: Yeah, he actually. Oh, no, that's a fair point. Actually, he was like decent on the on the opera stuff. Maybe he is some sort of opera dude in real life. I don't know. Because he was good in that. But yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot to like too. I think Al Pacino's terrific. I think Michael is once again. You know, he is the Godfather. He he is the central character of this of this trilogy, and I feel like in his department, in what his story is in this movie, it, it doesn't really let down. I think it's a solid yeah. conclusion for him. Um. And, you know, we were talking about how it's getting this recut version sort of uh, coincidentally very, very soon, and that sort of changes the ending, but I thought the ending was pretty solid. Oh, yeah. um, if you sort of, if you take it, you know, Sofia Coppola's performance is constantly the caveat in this, but, um, but in terms of what the story is and the, the final scenes, I thought all well, that was really good. I don't really know why I would want to change that necessarily.
1: The actual um, death on the stairs is, like, pretty great. Like, everyone's reaction to yeah her death and to um, Michael's reaction, just the screaming, you know. That's really great. And then the, the montages with the, uh, the music and everything.
0: Michael's screaming, like, I really like it because I, I, th- I think it was dragging the line of it could have become cringe and and really funny really easily but it wasn't at least for me like i you know what i mean like just given the nature of how he's screaming and how over the top it sort of is meant to be but it worked in the moment for me which is great um and then yeah you're right you get these these flashback scenes that are kind of a you know a bit of a retrospective on the whole series leading up to michael dying the same way his dad did just sort of passing out which
1: Yeah, but Yeah, I
0: thought all that stuff was great.
1: It's it's worse as well because he's like just he's alone there where Apollona died. Where yeah, his father's death was good. He was with the kid and you know, at the home and stuff. And he's just in this deserted place with his dog sitting on a chair, you know. It's it's a a lot more depressing than the uh, Vito's death.
0: It is. It absolutely is. That's a great point. I didn't even put that together. So that's where Apollina died. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah,
1: Apollina, yeah. I think, yeah, it's where the car blew up, I think.
0: Yeah, it did look like that. Yeah, I didn't even think of it. But yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I appreciate that they actually, she was brought up quite a few times and seemed to be sort of weighing on Michael emotionally, whereas I don't think she's ever never brought up at all in the second movie. So I like that that was a thread that came up again because I'd forgotten about it.
1: Yeah, I, I like the stuff with um, Kay, and, uh, Kay and Michael in this film. Um, you yeah. know, how she can't trust him anymore, just him trying to get redemption and everything from her.
0: I feel like they found their peace, and that's really what Michael is searching for the entire movie after part two, to me, was this soul-crushing series of events You know that Michael deals with based on his position and what he's become in, lo- in his life. And this movie is sort of a I sort of view it as a quest for redemption, like you mentioned, Fitzy, sort of him trying to find his peace. He's clearly distraught over over his past and the events of part two and what he's become. And I like that it makes a it's a perfectly logical continuation of that arc for that to be what this movie is. And the movie is super bittersweet for him, I think, because I think in a lot of ways he finds that piece. He finds it, I think, with Diane Keaton with Kay, I think he finds it, you know, when he confesses and he confronts that emotional um, distress when he confesses Frodo's murder to the, to the priest. I thought that was a good scene. Um, but then, of course, in other ways, it sort of all ends up coming around of just, yeah, still being lonely and depressing. And he still ultimately pays the price for what he's done with dying alone, losing his daughter. Um, it does end on a you know a pretty depressing note, even though I think he does sort of have emotional highs throughout the whole movie.
2: Um, Are all of three based on a book, or is it just the first one that's based on a book, and then two and three are just, you know,
1: tangents from that that are created the by? First one, second one are based on a book. And then Coppola and Pizza wrote the third one together after the studio wanted Coppola to come back for it. Because originally Coppola was only going to do one and two, and he said that was the full story.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that, um,. Uh, I think the whole Vito flashback stuff in part two is. Oh, actually, hang on, is, or is it the other way around? One of the storylines in part two wasn't in a book. One of them, I don't know if it was the Vito stuff or the Michael stuff. Do you okay. know, Fitzy?
1: No,
0: no. Oh shit, I can't remember. It's either it, it's one of them. One of them is purely to the movie. One of them is a book thing. Yeah,
1: but I don't think this. I don't think part three was a book.
0: No, but no. Thank you for bringing that up, Jane. Though, because I think. I was going to get ahead of myself a little bit, and I think it is important in discussing this movie to sort of get a little bit of the the, the uh, background of how the film sort of came to exist. Francis Ford Coppola once admitted that he was still unhappy over the final result because of a lack of time on working on the script. According to him, he wanted $6 million for the writer, producer and director fee with six months working on the script writing. The studio instead gave him only $1 million in fees and six weeks to work on the script in order to meet the Christmas 1990 release date. So, you know, you can read a lot about the background. He really didn't want to make the movie. I had also read elsewhere that um, I think he w- he might have been broke at the time, you know, so he there were very much financial factors involved for, for Francis himself, um, pressured into doing this movie at all, but then, of course, um. It originally did have the title "The Godfather Coda: The Death of Michael Colone and it wasn't meant to be a part three per se. It wasn't meant to be treated as a full sequel, um, but instead an epilogue, you know, to the to the story of parts one and two. So, what this movie was and what it was intended to be sort of got all mixed up, and due to financial and studio reasons, you know. So, I think that's important to understand about the movie and why it isn't super well regarded in a lot of circles.
1: Yeah, um, I was watching this video about a uh, career and after he made some musical or something that he, he put a lot of money and stuff into and that's what made him broke and so he had a long period of film films where he he either had a lot of creative control and did what he wanted to do or he was doing something purely for the studio you know and this was more mm-hmm. like one of those films yeah, it's, a, it's a, you
0: know it's a shame that that happened, and you know I understand why people sort of would dislike the movie for this reason and, and see it as sort of a bastard child, I suppose. Um, but at the same time, like thinking about the context I just read, the fact that Coppola got you know severely underpaid for what he wanted, he only had six weeks to write the script. I think the movie's honestly pretty decent for what he for <laughs> the time he had and, and all that considered. I wouldn't have been surprised if it turned out way worse. I mean, is it bad that I feel like I want to jump on the Mary performance again? <laughs> but we, we've 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 said everything there is to say really. like it's just really bad. I'll, I'll tell you what though. I wrote um this is I promise this is a completely uncut note I wrote in the first fifteen minutes of the movie. Is the girl who plays Mary really bad question mark Anthony Two question mark? I have to be fair. It's because I was like telling myself like, okay, there's only 15 minutes. I've only seen a little bit of this movie. Let's remain judge free. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen the movie, I don't know. It's just, I'm really glad. and I, I feel really bad for Sofia Coppola, you know, who's obviously these days a well-regarded director and, you know, super talented in her own right. I'm sure I haven't seen any of her films, but she probably, I, I, she probably has to live this down a fair bit because, She's, the way she delivers dialogue is just, it's just. I feel like she's mumbling or something.
1: She's really lifeless. Like, she, mm. Yeah. But, um. He's cast other family members and films as well. Like, Connie. Connie is his actual sister. Um. Oh, really? Yeah. And, uh. Okay. He started Nicolas Cage's career because Nick Cage is his cousin. Uh, he's her nephew. And he put him in three of his films. Um, okay. So I mean, sometimes it doesn't work, you know. Um, maybe, yeah, was right. it, was the money thing as well. Oh, actually, no. You'd have to pay obviously. That doesn't make sense. But um,
0: well, it, it was meant to be uh, what, what How do you say? Her name? Oh, when and a writer.
1: Yeah. Oh, mm. I guess she'd be more expensive.
0: Well, no, she she actually flew to set and she was ready to go, but she had to drop out because she was diagnosed with exhaustion and she like, she just physically couldn't do it. That wasn't a money thing. So yeah, I mean, yeah, again, it, with another factor to consider, like I don't think Francis had the grand vision of Sophia being in this movie, you know, but I'm I apologize. I don't want to beat a dead horse on this. I'm sure I, I, I'm just want to talk about it. Cause I'm new to this. I think people have probably talked about this performance for 30 years at this point. So, there's not much original to be said about it. Probably a devastating loss of this movie, guys. Tom Hagen. Oh I yeah. I
1: yeah, yeah. I, I Absolutely that. devastating.
2: But fuck yeah! I mean, like, kill like the best character off screen. I mean, like, the fuck.
1: Oh. did he die? Like, what
0: happened? He he. Yeah, they had have, have the quick line where he uh, he tells him like, oh, I was sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, because his son's in it, right? He yeah, because he his says his father it, it,
2: never got to see him ordained, but Michael did.
0: Yeah, he, he never lived to see it, yeah. God wait, damn it.
1: Tony, wait, what are you saying? Is it is Tony Michael's, Tony's Michael's kid right? the Or is it?
0: Yeah, yeah, but it, uh, the priest. Is the, uh the, you know, the young priest guy? Oh, yeah. He's in a few scenes. He's Tom Hagen's kid, isn't he? Oh, okay. Yeah, they say that, yeah, oh. but... uh I know, yeah. Oh, it's such it's such arsehole. And the reason this one is particularly painful is this is a money situation. All right, Robert Duvall turned down the $1 million studio offer uh, to recreate his role of Tom Hagen. He did not feel that his proposed salary was appropriate with what Al Pacino and Diane Keating were getting. Uh, Al Pacino got $5 million. Diane Keaton got $1.5 million. So he wanted a pay raise. But that led to, of course, the character being written out. And Duvall later defended his position on the grounds that the only reason why anyone wanted to make another Godfather movie after so many years was to make money, of which he was correct. Um, so that's such a shame to Like something so like petty is contract negotiations and, you know, that, that's a shame. But I feel like he could have been – like I, again, I like Michael's stuff in this movie. I feel like he could have elevated it to that next level for me, mm-hmm. having him around still.
1: I mean, if he was in the and when I was in the, it would it would be I don't know, like really great.
2: I, I was really hoping they'd do something more with his son. I don't know, like make him like a new kind of mm. part of it. Especially when like they go to Sicily and they they are you know tied up in a church bit. I was hoping that he you know he'd kind of become like an inside man or some shit. Like there'd be like some more significance
1: on him, you know.
0: For sure, it kind of felt like the sun was just there to rem- to tell us that he's dead. Yeah, I don't really remember any other thing he did.
1: Well, I think uh, uh,
2: uh, I think that the sun kind of shows because like he the, the way that the sun gets into like the Vatican is through Michael's connections, and it's I think it's kind oh, of right. showing like the corruption of like that Archbishop dude or whoever it was.
1: Yeah,
0: no, that makes sense. Yeah, I can see that.
1: What well, was um so Vincent? Uh, I liked Vincent in the movie, but, um, Vincent... So did I. His rival or whatever. The guy... Joey Zaza. Joey Zaza. So why do they hate him? Because I feel like that wasn't fleshed out as much. Like, what he actually did.
2: Because Zaza was talking mad shit. And, uh, Vincent was having none of it.
1: Yeah, but he, he did something to the neighborhood or something, right? Like he was corrupting it.
2: No, he was protecting the neighborhood. Zaza was actually doing a pretty good job of keeping drugs out of that area. And he was like what keeping mean? everyone at bay, oh, but then like um, yeah, because like that's what they said. Because like then they're saying you know uh, later, like after Zaza's dead, they're saying now you know these other people are moving in and drugs are coming into the neighborhood and stuff. But it's just that because Zaza wasn't faithful to Michael, so Vincent said, you know, we need to get rid of him.
1: Why wasn't he? Why didn't he like Michael?
0: Well, I mean, he uh, he was he was he was in league with. I don't know why he doesn't personally like him, but Joey was in league with uh, uh what's his goddamn name? Alb Albatello?
2: Aldo? Something.
0: Eli Wallach. He was in league with Eli Wallach. And um and of course then subsequently the Vatican and shit. So so like I presume that you'd also just top it down to just potential business benefits from but taking him what, out.
1: What did um Wallach's character do? Was he just like another Don or something?
0: Well, yeah, he was a he was like an older Don, like a, of another New York family, I guess, right? And he was yeah. trying to like manipulate manipulate Michael, so that he because he, he was in on the whole, um, on stopping the how do you say that company's name Immobil, Immobili Mom, yeah. <laughs> That thing, that whole deal that was going to make Michael legitimate. He was kind of down on
1: stopping that. So yeah.
2: Sucks so much how this is what Michael said he was gonna do for like three movies be legitimate and he just misses out on it. You know, I think that was like one of the biggest tragedies yeah. in in this one at least is the fact that he gets so close to grasping you know what he's always promised and it's just ripped away from him constantly.
0: I think yeah yeah I really like that as a story beat for this because in the second movie Kay you know we talk about it, they she wants him to become legitimate and and he's like yeah I'm trying. But we never really, in that movie, I don't believe, get the sense that he is actually trying outside of him just telling Kay that. Mm-hmm. So I never got, like, to me, he might just be lying. But to see him in this movie, he actually, no, he really did care about that. And he, he, that is seriously sort of his life work, life's work at this point to make that happen. Um, and that's why I really like the line, you know, <laughs> just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. And he's like. I was so close, yeah, I was so close to doing this, but now I've got to play my revenge card on all these people.
1: Oh, he, he definitely does try to get, be legitimate in the first film because like, the first one is he's is, is talking to the senator and he's trying to get in with the Cuban government.
0: Well, weren't the wasn't that deal in the second one all about the Cuban casinos and the Cuban resorts and shit?
1: Oh, yeah, maybe. But I think he was trying to... Uh,
0: no, but you're right about the senator, though. Right, yeah. I can see that,
1: yeah. Because there was a scene in the second one where there's the, uh, they're, they're at a big table with the Cuban government and everyone's given, like, official titles. And this guy's, like, the leader of this big company, this guy's this, and he is, you know, he's Michael. So he doesn't, he's not, like, as official as those people, and, um, that's kind of what he wants. So. Yeah, yeah, it all comes around yeah, no, right right. full circle in, in this one. The, uh, it does,
2: it does. The business stuff was a lot easier to follow in this one than the second one.
0: I agree. And yeah. I'm like very thankful for
2: that, yeah. Because I think that's where like a lot of my engagement dropped for the second one was just not understanding all the interactions and the relationships with the business. But this one is just lays it out plain and clear and easy, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Super easy. Old mate Michael wants to acquire, dude. How much? God, he's got some cash in the bank, you know what I mean? He wants to acquire this money. conglomerate. Yeah, exactly. God, I need to get on that. You know, but he he wants to acquire this conglomerate under you know the under the Catholic Church for like what was it, six hundred million dollars or yeah. something? That was wild. Yeah, and they would make him legitimate. Pretty pretty simple stakes right there. And of course, some powerful some powerful people don't want that to happen. Makes perfect sense, and then of course all that you know. We got to talk about the uh, the helicopter hit attempt, which I thought was like a cool a cool moment. I don't know, like it it felt like we've seen a fair few hits in this in these movies, a few assassination attempts, and this one was the biggest scale one we've seen, and it felt like you know it felt like it belonged in a part three in a trilogy of there hadn't really been something yeah like this before. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit.
2: It um, it felt a bit Scarface though, like it felt it felt a bit too over the top for me. I feel well, like
0: oh, d- oh, just in terms of, like the the machine gun raining fire. Yeah,
2: I feel like I feel like Pacino in there. I was like, if I could, I'll borrow some of that and chuck that in there.
1: Mm-hmm. And like, I don't
2: dislike it. I think it's okay, but it it's for me to classify as like a good beat for the plot. I think it, it's a bit much.
1: Yeah, I thought the hit. On, yeah, I can say that the hit on Zaza was. A lot better. Um, oh,
2: dude, the hit on is fantastic. The fucking, yeah, that's brilliant.
1: That was really
0: good. That was, I really appreciated them kind of getting that, so, not, not, obviously not a flashback, but that callback to, uh, to, to part two and it being the same parade that Vito does it at too.
1: I, I just like the way they do, they have the, uh, they shoot Vincent in that scene. You see... You know the police officer foot or whatever, and then and the whole mm. thing. And he's actually uh, it's simple, but I
0: thought it was it's really. How did we feel about Vincent? We already mentioned we we liked him a little bit. Um, I thought Andy Garcia was good in this movie. I think you know outside of when he's with Mary, but uh, that's not really his fault. Um, I I liked him. I thought he had solid screen presence, and the moment when he's uh sort of given the rank of godfather and he's sitting there on the chair. Like I believed that right there. I was like, dude, this I feel like this guy could carry a franchise. Like he was, yeah. he was solid in that he, in that position. He
1: actually looks like um he actually looks like um like young Vito, Robert uh, De Niro and some of those moments. Yeah, yeah That's true. The suit and the hair and everything.
2: Mm. I didn't buy into it at the start, um but yeah I think as, as it went on he he on he, he me.
0: I must say, though, speaking of that scene where he becomes Don, I was very confused by that, and I feel like oh, I was missing something because, like, his whole thing in the movie is that he's hot-tempered, um, he's rash like, like Sonny, which is obviously his dad, and that was a cool little thing there. That's a, you know, a natural sort of character trait and arc to follow through on. But so that's why he does the hit on Joey Zazer. He goes against Michael's orders and does that. Michael's pissed at him, you know, tells him like 80 times in the movie to stop being hot-headed, tells him to shut up. Like, cool, okay, so I'm expecting some character progression from this. But instead, I don't know, I feel like he, he just sort of became, Michael just decided, okay, you're going to be done now. Is that, is there something I'm missing there? It was just strange to me. Like, I feel like he never transformed or never really changed, even though we were sort of meant to believe he had,
1: maybe. I just the way they actually did it though confused me because it felt like Michael was just talking to he was just talking to um, Vincent and then suddenly it was done, like and then everyone you know outside just came in but it felt weird because it felt like they were just talking and then then it was like a ceremony you know, type thing.
0: Absolutely, it was hundred percent. That's how I feel too because I feel like that when they're just talking about like I think vin was just saying something along the lines of i want to be with mary or something and they're just kind of having one of their standard conversations that they have in the movie and then suddenly it's like now you are vincent Colleone from this moment forward yeah transition immediately he sits down in the chair and everyone comes in yeah exactly as you say it was just it's kind of jarring
2: anthony's uh singing of the sicilian song uh to michael it was brilliant um That was cool. It's so haunting and such a brilliant, like, reflective scene. And, you know, the moments of, like, I think Apollonia flashes up for, like, a brief second and he's just contemplating, I think. That was a really fantastic little scene.
0: That scene was really good. I like how Anthony was used sort of as a a character to, I don't know, communicate some part of Michael's arc a little bit throughout the whole movie. Um, And it's a simple one, you know. It was as simple as Kay coming to Michael and ask him, yo, can you let your son be a musician? Can you let your son be a singer? And Michael was hesitant and and allowed it. And then it came simple as Michael just accepting that. And I love the line when Michael says when they're walking out of the opera that the name Collione will be associated with a voice. I thought that was awesome. That's like he's proud of his son and and he's proud of the fact that it's sort of a a veto to Michael's situation that he's glad that he isn't you know bringing on the the that cycle of violence of bringing his son into the family like that's the mistake that you know he had made.
2: Mm. I just like like putting like uh, Sophia's performance aside I think like that both like the children's characters were decent as like reflections of what Michael was you know Sophia was kind of the rebellious and kind of wanted to break out a bit and whereas you know um, Anthony had that maturity in him and he he understood but he still went to his own separate way. And I feel like they're both reflective of Michael in that first film, you know?
0: For sure. For sure. And they even talk, it doesn't, I think Michael and Kay talk about how they see a lot of Michael in Anthony, I think Mm. young Michael and Anthony, you know, but yeah, no, that idea though, of having these kids being those sides of Michael and sort of bringing about that arc that at that point had been going on for 20 years in cinema. I think that's a really sound thematic idea to put into your script. And I think, yeah, yeah, I agree. Obviously, you know, Sophia, sorry. But outside of that, I think it's a good idea too. Yeah. Talking about the music a little bit though, what about the score? I mean, it's like, it's another situation of part two, I guess, where it's and one where they just use the same theme over and over again and it's a really good theme. But the score also had moments that I thought were pretty bad too. I, like, there are some scenes where characters are talking and there's just really generic, like, like, like chimes and up, sort of upbeat, to like trying to just match the tone of the scene, but it just felt super off and, and I would have preferred no music in, in little bits and pieces. Did anything stand out to you guys, you know, different from the other two movies?
2: I loved um, in, like, Michael's diabetic episode, as they're taking, like, a, the the, uh, the massive drum beats as they come to the hospital or whatever it is. And like you know, just like oh, I forgot
0: about that. Yeah,
2: I think mean, like, I really love that. But also, just like the main theme, just hearing that again at the start of the film, like I I wrote it down mm-hmm. on a note. And I was like, "This is just fucking fantastic. It's just so fucking brilliant." But you know, we all know that. So, but like you know, so aside from that, like a, uh, it's so like you know that little bit just following the 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 hit. You know, I think the score there was pretty good.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, but dude, oh, the opening theme, like you can make the worst piece of shit of a movie that's ever existed. But if your movie opens like that with, like, the, the black and just f- fading into the title cards with that music, like, I'm going to – I don't care if it's a terrible movie. I'm going to think that it's cinema, you know? I'm going to think that it's, like, belongs in a pristine theatre or something because, it's, yeah, it's awesome.
1: Yeah. I like the um the ending theme and uh, the, same, the same where they, they play when uh, Mary dies and the montage and all that. And I didn't think they actually repeated the same thing the, too many times here, but it was used well. Actually, I, I thought there was more variety. But, uh,
0: yeah. yeah. All right, opera scene, I guess, opera assassinations. Um, This is sort of the another issue I have with the movie, is that the movie feels often quite derivative in its structure and, you know, this, it starts off with, guess what, guys? It's another Colleone family yeah. function. And <laughs> and guess what? It ends with the intercutting assassinations. And, you know, like, I don't know. I, I liked it in part two as being, yeah, actually, I don't know. Like maybe it, it, I think it is just the fact that having it done a second time is sort of cool and can be seen as just a callback and that's fine. But now a third time, it's like, okay, really? We, we're doing this again? It felt a bit lazy, um, mm. even though I did like the opera stuff generally. So, yeah, no, but that was sort of a con I had of the whole thing in general, um, which is obviously very much tied into the ending here. But regardless, you know, I thought the intercutting between the opera and the kind of planes of action of Anthony singing versus um, the drama in the stands of the opera versus the drama in the in, uh, the Vatican City there, Um. I thought all that was pretty well edited and cut together and it was pretty tense at times. Um, some of the action had goofy moments. Like when, because, you know, there's like the old man assassin dude who's trying to snipe Michael. Um, and when he like fakes dead against the wall, that was super weird. It's like <laughs> and like the other guy came walking and it's like, because he tried to make it look like the other dude had killed him, but they're both sort of just standing against the wall. And the other guy like slowly walked up to him and said, oh, hey, you got him. I know that was kind of that was kind of goofy, but yeah, no, I liked it. I wouldn't say I liked it any more than part two's same ending sort of sequence. There, part one still wins out. I think if we're going to rank them,
1: mm. I like how they um
2: how they use like real life events and they are tied into this. You know, like with the actual death of the popes, and you know. And and how they tie it together to you know to make like the the tr- the business transactions and like you know their shakiness all that more real because you know like the 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 death of the pope is real you know, so the way they they blend fiction and reality there I, th- I thought was pretty clever. So those popes
0: like died around that time in in that order in, in that sort of space.
2: Yeah, John Paul the first he it, he died in like like only a month after like he was ordained or not ordained because that's uh, right. like after he was like. And now its the priest or whatever
0: God it I okay. see I assume that stuff was fictitious. That's really cool actually. yeah, I like that a lot. What other weird shit is there to mention? I love when that guy did the donkey noise <laughs> <laughs> whatever that was about was that meant to did that because he did it again at the end was that meant to be like a signal of some sort of of some sort
2: because because that was like you know to it was a distraction for the hit <laughs> I think. Like, I, th- I think it was that, right?
0: I guess it was something to do with the hit, right? <laughs> I am not gonna lie. If someone were attempting to assassinate me, and they use that as a distraction, I would it would work. <laughs> I would be very distracted.
2: Um, I was expecting more from the uh, the reporter character that they introduced at the start.
0: Oh, right, yeah, because, because, because
2: yeah, they they they, they place some significance on and her, her constant like badgering of of, of you know the characters then you know, they kind of just tossed her aside as soon as like stuff started to actually kick in.
0: Was she just there for Vincent to save someone during the uh, attempt on his life in the the apartment? That was a cool scene though. He was he was ruthless, He so just gunning down that other guy as well.
1: Yeah,
2: it it probably is cool. But like at that point I still didn't really like his character that much, so I was just like, yeah you know, yeah, like dickhead, what what are you doing killing him or well, you could have used him or whatever.
0: Sure. But
2: yeah. um yeah no, yeah.
0: Do you love when Johnny Fontaine came back?
2: Oh yeah, dude. Fuck yeah, Johnny Fontaine. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, dude, it's fucking sick.
1: Yeah, I, yeah,
0: I quite liked it actually. It was a bit silly.
1: Oh, the um, the cut in the helicopter scene with that guy's like getting his coat was really dumb. He's like really wants his coat, and he dies. Yeah, but they're Italian. Oh, that was real. <laughs> Oh my god, you're
0: so right! Yeah, he said it's my lucky coat and ran back for it. He deserves every every bullet he took there. Cheers, Finny. Very good. Let us well, let us conclude our final verdicts for The Godfather Part Three. Um, first of all, we have to determine what Fitchy scale is this week. So, what out of five things you know will you be <laughs> ranking or rating the movie on?
1: Oh, I thought you were going to come up with that.
0: Oh, you were. Oh, well, it can be a team effort if you like. Hmm. Uh, How many lucky jackets?
1: Lucky jackets. Oh, that's, that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Not four. Four lucky jackets out of five.
0: Wow.
1: Wow. I mean, there's a lot of silly bullshit, but I think the uh, Pachino's performance and the Michael stuff in this really works. Um, I really like the ending and stuff, so yeah.
0: Wow, I'm surprised. That's that's high. I like it. I didn't ask though. Do you guys know when? Because I don't know a lot about Al Pacino's acting history. His voice has transformed since Part Two. Was there like a is a, a defining moment when everyone can pinpoint how Al Pacino's voice became super old suddenly?
2: I don't know. it was probably smoking Cuban cigars for Scarface and just fucking you know <laughs> shot his lungs out.
0: Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, that sounds about right. Four out of five. Um, I'll give it. I'll give it a six out of ten. I feel sorry for new listeners. It's probably really confusing. Um, I I I think the movie's pretty decent. Like I said, I like it more than I dislike it. It's got some pretty unforgivable things and some pretty yeah silly things. I think we can all agree on that. But the core of the story is solid. I, I like how it ends Michael's arc of it being you know. He talked. Oh, I t- constantly talk about how I feel like in part two he loses his soul, and this is an attempt for him to find peace. Um, and he does with Kay and Fredo, but regret sort of hangs around for him. And this movie is sort of about that and him trying to juggle that with his legacy and his children and his final years as he, as uh, his health deteriorates and he carks it alone. And I think you know all that, you know that that paragraph I just sort of said, I think it's a really solid story for a conclusion to this trilogy. So. That's why I, that's the aspect I mainly like about it. So I'll give it a six. But what about you, Jaden?
2: Um, I can give it a seven. Um, I think it's really good. Um, but like at the moment, I'm ho- I'm holding out for you know the uh the the recut to kind of bruise me up to that next level because I really think there wow. is a I think there is a really great film in there, and I just think you need to find it. And I think if you chop away. Well, because the way they're talking about the cut doesn't sound like they're going to cut away like the stuff that I want them to do, so who knows. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's 7 for, for now.
0: Okay, okay. I'm curious about the cut too. I'm Yeah, I'm I'm definitely not going to watch it, but I'm looking forward to firstly reading about the differences and then also watching any new scenes on YouTube. That's what I'm uh, going to
1: do. What does it sound like they're going to
2: cut, Jordan? Because uh, Finny keeps on saying that they're changing the start and the end, right? Is that what you keep on saying, Finny?
0: That's what they keep marketing. Like they, That's the big marketing push, a, a, a brand new ending and beginning is what they keep saying. Yeah, but there could be other little changes.
2: The ending is pretty great, one of the best parts, you know, and I'd rather them cut out the relationship stuff between Mary and, you know, fuckhead, um, whatever his name is. Um, <laughs> yeah, that one. Um, and just, you know, some other like stuff about the film, but, um, you know, I mean, we'll see.
0: Nothing they've said as far as I've seen implies that they're planning on doing that, but
2: Well it's you know. just like it's like I mentioned yesterday to you about like that that article like where like Safik said that like, you know, the recut saves her performance. And because of yeah, that yeah. comment, I'm kind of hopeful that they're gonna get rid of a lot of a lot of the relationship shit. So we'll see.
0: That is a weird thing to say of the air. They they might they must be doing something to it. Very good, we completed the Godfather trilogy. Um but Guys, where are we putting this one in our in our little ranking that we're doing here that I just always like shoehorning in when we finish a trilogy or a franchise here? Do you, so, Jane. You're above part two on this.
2: Yeah. So for me, it's part one, part two, part no, part one, part three, part two. You know, you know top to bottom ranking.
0: And are you above or below part two on this one, Fitzy?
1: Um, no, I think part two is still better. Just
0: of the I'm also putting part two first, above it. So sorry, Jaden. Yeah.
1: So no, therefore, that's fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> combining combining everything, that means our official combined ranking is part one, part two, part three. News chat time. Uh, quickly, uh, we talked about Mads extensively playing Grindelwald taking over Johnny Depp in that good old Fantastic Beast three. That news has now been confirmed. It is happening. Do we have anything else to add other than, you know, I'm once again happy about this and it's
2: cool? Um Depp's still getting, like, his uh, seven-figure salary or eight-figure, however much it is. Um, That's
0: right. Yeah, it was it was eight figures. Yeah. It
2: was eight figures. <laughs> and he – so they've, they've already shot one scene with him in it, so they're probably going to reshoot that or just cut it, or maybe they're going to leave it in just for, for for the fuck of it. Just shits and yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: Yeah, that's wild. When they said, oh, I read that to eight figures, I was like, wait, eight, is that. That's above $10 million yeah. for one scene.
2: <laughs> um, All right. Grindelwald has a fucked up eye, doesn't he? I think so. That's going to be another character that Mads plays with, you know, some kind of shit yeah. to his eye.
0: Hell yeah, dude. Give me Lashif vibes. He's going to be like a, yeah, whitehead. A sheaf, that's cool. With a wand. Well, that's it for News Chat. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time for our highlights of the week. Fitzy, what have you been watching?
1: Um, I guess I'll say End of Evangelion, um, which is... Henry Shoutout? By Henry, um, which is the film which, is, which comes after the anime Evangelion. Which the anime Neon Gen- Genesis Evangelion, Um and so yeah, I basically watched the show to get to the uh the film because Henry was hyping hyping up and everything and yeah, it was it was worth it. It was uh pretty awesome. Um the uh the uh director the animated guy Hideo uh, oh, how do you say the name? Ana Onik- Hideo some, <laughs> some shit. I wish. Yeah, uh, just goes like, like all out on the film. The film is crazy. Um, in terms of, in terms of what happened and also in terms of like, what he does, how you know, experimental is with the film. Um, on touch scenes and stuff. That, uh, just interspersing different genres and, um, Stuff I don't want to mention because it's spoilery, but he doesn't crazy stuff, especially near the uh, end of the film.
0: Now, I need to ask you, all right, would I like it? No, you'd probably hate it. You'd pr- I'd probably hate it, wow. Not even like I probably just wouldn't like it that
1: much. Um, it's pretty weird. It's very uh, okay. It's very what? It's very sexual at times.
0: Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I feel
1: like that's a bit of an endorsement for it. Mm. I mean, uh, I feel like you'd find that a bit strange, a bit repulsed.
2: But fan service and anime kind of go hand in hand. Like it's unfortunate, but like it's hard to find an anime without fan service. So it's just like another convention of the genre.
1: I feel like these are things I'd like. <laughs> but um, okay. Okay. It's it's philosophical, I guess.
2: Um, but you know.
0: I- I've been thinking of ending things way, or in a... No,
1: so it's like the Matrix.
0: Somewhere. Oh, sure, yeah, absolutely, the Matrix. Yeah, in, like in which
1: way is it? Uh, well, the, the, phil- the philosophical stuff is more spelled out, I guess. So maybe the former, but yeah, it's kind okay. of all through dialogue, the philosophy parts.
0: Dude, I got shit all for watching. Do you want to, do you want me to chat about the invention of lying? <laughs> I like it a lot. It's, you know, it's a Ricky Gervais comedy, romantic comedy, pretty straightforward shit we all know about, right? But, you know, there's some there's some fun to be had in that genre. But, of course, the premise is just an excuse to have some pretty unique, clever clever humor in it, which I appreciate a lot, you know? I like all the stuff with, like, the co and shit. That makes me laugh. So that's how I view the movie. You know, it's just this generic Ricky Gervais comedy. Ricky Gervais is great. in a romantic comedy. I'm g- probably going to like it to some level. Add in the whole lying premise thing and you get some clever humour from it. Therefore, you kind of mix it into a movie I like. So, so yeah, terrific. But what have you been watching, Jaden? I
2: don't know. Yeah, fuck, like I'm going to short talk about a short film that Netflix released this week. Um, oh,
0: okay.
2: Actually, I don't know if it's released this week, but I watched it this week and it seems pretty new. Um, it's called "If Anything Happens, I Love You," and I think from the title, we all know what happens, right? Finny, can you take a guess?
0: Someone dies, or someone loves someone.
2: Yeah, can you can, can you can you figure out how they die?
0: Hey, hang on, what was it called again? If anything, if anything happens, I love you. I feel really stupid. I don't know what you're getting at.
2: Uh, it's about a school shooting, essentially. Um. Oh, okay. It's it, it's 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 like ten minutes. It's it's not fucking you know anything long at all but it's it's getting praised so much and everyone's like oh if this doesn't get an academy award oh fucking you know cry more um (laughs) like it's 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 such obvious fucking oscar bait and like it's just made by a bunch of self-righteous assholes jerking themselves off in a room and like oh we fixed school shootings now fuck off you did nothing The, the film tries too hard to be emotional but there's nothing because of just how obvious it is and how like it's it's just such a plain thing that it does it doesn't even try and do anything new. It's all just generic shit. And like the song choice that they use, like halfway through it, is so inappropriate and mismatched to what the tone that they're resetting. It's 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 it's, it's really bad in that way. Like like the animation is actually really nice, and like it's it, it's rather you know it's it's well it's well done in that in that aspect. But like story wise, and like pretty much like every other choice that they made. I mean, it's like been- even like, it's 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 yeah.
1: There's no story. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, the story is that you know the 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 mother and the father are you know their relationships crumbling after the loss of their daughter, and then the cat magically plays a record and they can reminisce about the daughter, and then their relationship is fixed.
0: Did someone say cat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't
1: think okay. The school shooting thing that it was like obviously it was a school shooting. Well, I read the synopsis of the school shooting.
2: So. I mean, but the fucking text, you know, it like like because like you know the title is derived from a text that the daughter sends, um, and like it's, it's like that like in my mind, you know, you see that, and it pretty much just connects immediately, and like you know, fucking, it's I don't know. Look, may, may, maybe I'm just heartless and I don't give a shit, but you know, it's 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 it's, it's poor.
0: Okay, but hey, what about if anything happens? I love you. What about the title? Wait, well, was meant to make me think school shooting.
2: Well, it's it's just kind of the text that you associate with, because like you know like you know like when you like see like those, I can't, I can't I can't recall where 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 it is I've seen them now, but like you know like you know like there's always those things where like you know oh the kids hiding in the cupboard and you know they're they're trying to get that one last text out to their parents or whatever, and it's just something like that.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, you no, know, I can see that. I would just, uh, yeah, okay, I just associate that with any sort of tragedy uh potential potentially dangerous situation that someone enters like i feel like someone could could like say that if they're going on a sketchy airplane or something you know what i mean like I n- yeah. it narrowed down just school shootings but i get what you mean
2: i know that's just the connection i made immediately i, I like like you're right in saying you could it could it could, could be anything but like yeah that that's what i went straight to
0: but as always now we hand the show over to you the people <laughs> Cringe. I thought, I'm really
2: sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm actually I, I found it, I found it most funny because I, I genuinely like it came out of my mouth like as the thought like I, I was not planning that whatsoever. Um, anyway, with our question of the show last week, we asked you what's your favourite comedy movie of all time. Lockie says this is the end is my favourite comedy movie. It's just pure fun. Silly humour that is genuinely funny and gives me the giggles everything, every time. Lockie, come on, spell. Every time I watch it. Thank you very much, Loki. This is the end. I, is that got Emma Watson in it? Yeah, briefly. Okay, okay. I feel like in my brain I always got this mixed up with um, the world's end, mm. which I've now seen. Pretty understandable if I do say so myself. But, uh. Luke says, "Blades of Glory, Glory, Blades of Glory is an okay comedy, but I mean, are comedies supposed to be good? Isn't the point of comedies to be a bit of a, <laughs> to be a bit of a joke? Should comedies be good movies, or should they just be purposefully laughable? If you know the answer, please post your answer to fourteen Answer to Cinema Effect Lane Victoria three two two eight for your chance to win a toaster. Hmm, that's nice. Wow,
1: is it? <laughs> exposing or it like He He postcode. is.
0: Well, the Torquay postcode isn't exposed our postcode.
2: Well, you didn't have to say that, did you, Liam?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Secondhand exposed. But actually, to be fair, he's done this kind of thing before, hasn't he? He's done the whole, like, address joke before, I think. Has he? I think so. Is that, like, the whole post your answer to X address Lane, Victoria? So what I'm saying, Luke, is I'll give you a comment, a 6 out of 10.
2: Mm, unoriginal.
0: Unoriginal. Pretty. I like it. I laughed. I liked it, but unoriginal, yeah. Kind of like the Godfather Part 3. <laughs> um. But our favourite comedies of all time. Guys, can you please let me count for Ragnarok? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I used the filter on Boxed and it was in there. So I think Letterboxd has spoken. Although there were some other really what, weird ones in there that should not have been as well. So I'll say Thor Ragnarok. Shout out to the nice guys. Because mm. I think that's like more clearly defined as a comedy, you know? Um I like that movie a lot. That movie made me laugh a lot. But Thor Ragnarok, of course, just a terrific movie. That just cracks me up so much. But what about what about you,
1: Jaden?
2: Um picking this is weird because like so many of like like I'm doing the comedy filter now. And a lot of like my top rated ones, they're like hybrids, you know. They're like horror comedies or you know action comedies or you know. So like, but, like so in terms of like an actual like pure comedy, I think my favorite is. Uh, it's 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 not even a real movie. It's it, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a TV special for a, uh, for a show called The Thick of It, and I call it The Rise of the Nutters, and it's basically just a hour special of. Um. So the thick of it's about you know it's a um about some like MPs or politicians or whatever in, in in England and about like, you know, just their how they interact and shit, and it's really fucking funny. Um and the show only ran for two seasons, but then I think at the end of the second season is when they called the election for the new government early. So they made so they made this special for it and it's so bloody funny. Um I really can't recommend the think of it enough to anyone. But like, you know, just like just this this special alone is just really brilliant. Because you know, it's like having a regular episode, but it just fucking doubled.
0: I've never heard of this show. Have you talked about it before?
2: Yeah, I think at the start of when when I first came on, I was watching it. So in, in my highlights of the week, like back fucking thirty weeks ago, I think I I, I I I talked about it. I've
1: added it to my
0: watch list. What about you? Um,
1: smiley face. Um which is this, um, comedy, stoner comedy, uh, where Anna Faris, like, um, she has too much, she has too much marijuana, accidentally, and, and it just follows her day, and she makes bad decisions, and, um, it's really, like, dumb, funny, but. No, uh, it's really, it's really funny. It's by this Greg Ikari. who a Michel. actual Other the good films, I seen, but It's uh, it's got some strange cameos. It's, it's got um, it's a guy from The Office. Um, Steve Carell. No, nah, um, the Jim, it's not Jim, guy. You know. John Krasinski. Krasinski, yeah, he's in it, and um, the coach from Glee stuff it's funny dude oh if you want if you want to watch it i mean you could legally do something or you could with mcafee live safe use a free um use a free network what, what do they call it VPN, and go to oh, United right. states and then go to pluto no two, go to tubi tv <laughs> And then it's there for free. Tubi TV and Pluto TV are US services that you can access via VPN. Show sure. free movies.
0: That was a very specific set of instructions. <laughs> I hope I hope it helps someone. I mean, it might help me. I, I the dumb humor, silly humor, stupid humor—all those synonyms. That's that's my humor. So excellent. Well, thank you guys very much for your answers. That's it for this week's episode of the critically acclaimed Cinema Effect podcast.
2: I mean, at the moment, we're 100% on Apple podcast, so that's pretty fucking bang.
0: I know, right? And of six ratings. And when you think about, you know, seeing on IMDb the meta score of something and you see the meta score and below how many critics, like seeing 100 and then Six Critics. That sounds pretty legitimate. All right. What are we watching next week, Fitzy? Can you remember?
1: Watching uh, Knowing.
0: Okay. Yes. What's it on? Stan. <laughs> We're both
2: unsure. Nothing. I'm pretty sure it isn't Stan. I think we've got a string of Stan movies coming up.
0: Okay, okay.
2: Oh sorry, that's spoilers for next week. Uh we may or may not have a few Stan things lined up.
0: We are yeah, we cannot disclose that. It is stand confirmed. Okay, thank you, Fitzy, for yeah, that. Thank you, Jana, for joining me. Thank you both.
1: Yep.
0: It's great, great. We'll see you everyone in next week. At the next one. So yeah
1: pretty shit outro
0: really shit outro one of the worst i've ever done one of the worst ever anyway we appreciate you all take care have a good week and goodbye